Hey, I am so glad that you're here today. And uh, you know what I'm more excited about? Yeah, some of you are thinking football. I, I, yes, I am. Uh, but here's the thing. Do you know that God's in this place? The Bible says when two or three of us gather together that he is right here among us. And sometimes I know it just seems like we, uh, it's so easy to fall into just habits, right? Well, we just, we just come and, and we just, you know, kind of go through the motions. But it's not just another event. It's not just another gathering. But, but God's right here and he wants to invite us into something more. He wants to speak truth and life to us. And so we, we come and we gather together and something happens when, when we gather, right? God's present just when we're by ourselves, right? When we have our moments with God, that he is fully there with us. But when we gather together, there's this collaborative thing that, that happens through our worship, through diving into scripture, whatever it might be, something happens in this moment and God invites us into it. So here's, here's my prayer all the time, that I know that God's gonna show up, I know that he's here, but that we would encounter him in a way that, that begins to shift and change us, our understanding of him, our knowledge of him, to, to perceive and to know his love even more, to be instilled with hope and with joy. That's what he has come uh, to invite us into and to bring us to today. So I just wanna welcome you here to be part of that. If you're new to new life, we just wanna say welcome and we're not gonna do anything crazy. We just want you to sit back, we want you to take a deep breath, we want you to experience all that God has for you today. But as our guest, we have uh, kind of an invitation out in our lobby, we have this thing called Starting Point. It's literally just this kind of table on wheels, it's got a little sign there. Yeah, if, if you're new here to new life, uh, just stop by there. And all you have to do is just say, hi, I'm new here. <laughs> and we would like to just uh, say hello and introduce ourselves. If there's any questions you might have uh, about our church or about ministries, if you have kids, like, like what do you do with your kids? All those things, we'd love to be able to answer those and uh, just welcome you. And then we have a little gift for you. So make sure you stop by there uh, on your way out. Now, if uh, you're a part of New Life, and I know some of you hear this all the time, but you're looking for that, you know, what's that next step? What, what do I do? There's an orange umbrella in the lobby, and that's kind of the center for all of those things. So we have uh, life groups, which are, which are home kind of fellowship study groups that are launching uh, here in January. And if you'd like to be part of that, to, can you imagine just gathering with some good friends and growing together and enjoying life together? That's what a home group can be. And so you can find out more. We have some classes that are launching here in January. You can find out more about those. They're also in your bulletin, uh, that little sheet you got when you came in, and you can check those out. Uh, so if you want to know more how to serve, how to do any of those things, go to the orange uh, umbrella. So two more things. Right next to that, we have a table for our women's ministry because there's a lot of that's kind of launching this uh, winter with our women's ministry. And so we have a breakfast coming up on January 21st. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be not just great food, but a great time together. So you can sign up for all those things, some studies that are going on. So find out more about women's ministry. Last thing. Our kids' life groups are launching here in just a few weeks, uh, but you need to pre-register your kids for those. So you'll see there's a table in the back that says New Life Kids. Uh, make sure you check that out, get your kids signed up. Uh, it is such a cool thing to see our kids grow in Christ and uh, develop friendships together as they do that. So make sure you uh, check that out. Well, we're gonna right now uh, receive our tithes and offerings. And this is the opportunity we have every week 
to kind of just slow down, take a breath and say, whoa, 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 man, God has provided so much. And he invites me to live in this place of blessing. And some of that comes as I begin to respond with open hands back to him. And so there's several ways you can give here at New Life online through our app or you can do it through the black boxes by the door, or we're gonna receive an offering. So if you're on an aisle, there's a bucket there, make sure you pick that up, hand it down your row, and our ushers will come and pick that up in just a moment. While you're doing that, just feel free to keep passing that on, but I just wanna pray over that and over our time this morning. Father, we, uh, we truly do welcome you into this place today, knowing that you are good and you are faithful. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to respond and to give back to you. Uh, And Lord, we know it's not about dollars and cents, it's about our heart. And it's about what we look to for provision, what we look to for security and hope. And Lord, it's not gonna be in any of those things, it's in you. So Lord, we, we live with open hands and we respond generously back to you. And we thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you continually bring. And now, Lord, as we open up your word, I pray, Lord, that you would make it come alive to us. God, we... We don't want to just walk through a, a history lesson or, or some moral platitudes. Lord, we, we want to encounter you today. So Lord, I pray as we dive into this today that we would experience you in new ways. We love you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, if you have that note-taking sheet, I want you to get it out today. If you have a pen or pencil, you can follow along. Um, let me get to the right one here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to get those out, whether it's digital or physical, And this is gonna get a little bit complicated, so I want you to listen very closely. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter one. That's the very first page of your Bible. Turn to Genesis one, and we're gonna dive into that uh, in just just a moment. You're gonna have a chance to, to read along with me on that. Well, we are, is this in the way of you guys? Here we go. I'm an uncomplicated guy. There we go. I want to see these folks right here because I feel like you need it a lot. No, is it? <laughs> we're, we're in a brand new series that's starting today and it's called Becoming. Becoming. And, and in this series, over these next weeks, we're going to look at it through January and through February. We're going to take this deep dive into who we were meant to be who we were created to be. And in this series, we're gonna be looking at the issues of identity. What, is, what does it mean to, to, to really embrace our humanity? And what does God desire to do in us? We're gonna be looking at how we understand ourselves and sometimes our, our motivations. We're gonna be looking into our character and our purpose. And today we're gonna to frame up really kind of what's to come in the next weeks. So today does stand on its own, but it's also really an introduction to what we're gonna be looking at um, over over these following weeks. Well, you know, all through the history of humanity, we have been, as human beings, good at asking questions that are are deeper than just kind of the, the daily routine kind of questions. Questions about, you know, who we are and, and what is my life supposed to be? These are the questions for me. I remember when I was in my, uh, probably like my 20s and stuff, I remember sometimes having those moments, not all the time, because of course, being a guy, we don't sometimes ask those deeper questions, but I remember when I would have those moments like, 
is this all there is to life? You know, those kind of deeper questions. It always happened like when you had to get up super early in the morning and you're in the bathroom and it's five o'clock and you're, you know, kind of looking at the mirror going, is this all that life is about? You know, you ask yourself those deep questions, trying to figure it out while you're waking up, which is the wrong time to ask those questions, right? But do you realize that all through history, all religions, philosophers like Aristotle and Socrates, great thinkers throughout all the ages were asking those questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Because we're trying to figure out what makes us tick and we're trying to figure out who who I am on the inside of me and why I do the things I do and why I respond the way I respond and what motivates me to to move in, in certain ways. And even though we know our own thoughts, we're still trying to figure out really kind of where that comes from. And all of us come from a singular perspective. We only really know ourselves. We are the star of our own movie, right? Everything from in us comes from that first person perspective. And I know that I can try to empathize, which is a really good thing, to empathize with you. If I was talking to you and you're going through something difficult, I, I wanna try to get beyond, it's like, how are you really feeling? To feel what you're feeling, to kind of know those things. That's the, the core of empathy, to kind of walk a mile in your shoes. But the reality is, is that my shoes are the only shoes that I know. So we keep trying to figure out who we are. And then we ask the follow-up question, who am I becoming? Like, wh- where, where is this leading? Because we don't stay static in life. I know sometimes it might feel like we're in a rut, that we're not going anywhere. And we even use words like stuck or stalled or, or marking time. And there may be aspects in our life that are exactly that. But in the greater picture, we are all on a journey. We are all moving every single day, every single moment. There's some type of, of movement going on in our lives. We are moving from who we were yesterday to who we are becoming today and tomorrow. And that's the question. It's like, so where is this leading? In fact, if you think about the mission here at New Life, it's on the wall in the lobby, if you'll look up when you're, when you're out there. Uh, it says, loving people one step closer to Jesus. And, and we recognize that, that movement in life. And so our desire is, is to love each other and to even love ourselves enough to be taking those steps towards Christ, even if it's just a millimeter at a time. Who am I and who am I becoming? Those are pretty deep questions. How how many of you have ever taken a personality test? Anyone ever done that? Yeah, you probably have, you just don't wanna raise your hand, I know that. But my guess is that all of us have. One of the earliest personality tests was the four temperaments And if you're familiar with any of this, they were the temperaments of sanguine and choleric and phlegmatic and melancholy. And they were actually based on kind of uh, human physiology a little bit, but but they they had different temperaments to them. And so I remember taking that kind of inventory years and years ago, and I am a phlegmatic which sounds, sounds like phlegm, huh? And that's actually where it comes from. But I'm a, I'm a phlegmatic. And, and now, while it's not a predictor of everything that I will do or how I will act out, it is, 
it's so uncanny how well it gives a framework for how I do respond and how I do react. Phlegmatics are generally speaking unassuming, they're intuitive, they're agreeable, they're warm, they're cooperative, and they're considerate. Now, I'm definitely not all of those things all of the time, but at a base level, I tend to be wired that way, which even though I wanna be agreeable and considerate with you, I need to be just honest and forthright and tell you that, that that is actually the best personality temperament of them all. I've come to realize that. That, I mean, if you wanna have someone in your life, you want them to have that personality trait. So, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful. Some of you have taken in business what's called a Myers-Briggs personality test. If you've ever done that, uh, people will rattle off these letters. So I am an ENFJ, which means the E is for extroversion. The N is for intuitive, the F is for feeling, and the J is for judging. And these are in, uh, not in competition, but they're in comparison to, to other things. So you're, you're you know, more extroverted or you're more introverted. And so this personality test helps kind of get you in this kind of a, a spectrum. And it actually ends up with 16 different personality types. And again, as an ENFJ, um, that is by far the best of all the 16. It's just amazing how that works out. Um, if you've heard of the Enneagram, I'm a nine on the Enneagram. But, but let me get down to what really matters here. How do we really get to the core of who we are? So I went online to a premier personality identifier. It's, it's fairly famous. It's called the Witch Disney Princess, am I? And so... <clears throat> I took the test several times because I was literally trying to skew the outcome. And uh, I am Princess Tiana, which some of you are going, I don't know who that is. Princess and the Frog, if you remember that one. Apparently, I'm, that's my personality type. And some of you I know are looking at me going, that explains so much about you, right? Sometimes when we start digging into the deeper parts of us, we realize that there are places in us that are broken and that are hurting and that are struggling. Places where we've experienced trauma. And it can be from our family, it can be from situations we experienced, it can be from how we were treated or how we perceived ourselves. And we realize that those places are, are lacking or hurting again or, or struggling. And so, Often the first thing we do, and this is, our, this is our natural human response, is we ask this question, how do I fix myself? How do I overcome this? How do I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always, or I, I tend to be like this, but I don't wanna be like that anymore. So how do I fix myself? And so what we do is we turn to self-help. Now, I, I wanna be cautious here, because there's, there's a part of it you know, if you're a really unorganized person, you, you may want to read some things. It was like, here, here's better ways to be organized. That isn't a bad thing. But often in these deep areas of our life, we keep trying to, I'll, I'll fix it, I'll manage it, I'll control it. And a few weeks ago, uh, when Pastor Brett was speaking, and he talked about this whole idea of self-help, you realize it's a $43 billion a year industry. And it's booming because people are trying to figure out 
who they are, how they're wired, and how they can fix what's wrong and broken. And not just that end, but then how they can live an inspired and fulfilling life. And we may not ask some of those questions directly, like who am I? But indirectly, we're looking for answers. And while we want to come to terms with our past and hopefully understand our our motivations and our family of origin and the different traumas that we've experienced, it's it's not just a curiosity about, about what's been. It goes beyond that. It impacts who I'm becoming. If I don't understand some of those things from my past, then, then, then how can I actually move forward? You see, you may be listening to this today and thinking, Dave, that all sounds great, but the truth is I, <laughs> I am what I am. Some of you have, have just kind of settled on the fact that you're never going to amount to much. You've decided there's been too many mistakes, too many setbacks in your life. And so this, this is just it. This is as good as it gets. And I want you to look right here for just a moment. God has a message for you today. He wants to speak some truth to you. And what he wants to tell you is a message of acceptance and value and hope. Regardless of your past and regardless of who you think you are, God has something he wants to say to you about how he sees you. Now, others of you in the room might be thinking, hey, (laughs) I'm good. I got everything together. I I don't don't really need anything more. I've kind of got it all managed because you have been completely self-made and self-reliant. And I want to tell you today that God is inviting you into a relationship that is more life-giving and more fulfilling than anything you've ever known. You've put some good stuff together, but God has even more for you. You see, all of us at some level, to go back to the beginning, wanna know that there's meaning and purpose in life. And not just in life of humanity, but in my life, my particular life, and how we relate to one another and where we're headed. I'll tell you, for me personally, This has been a journey that has gone on for my entire life. And it's really the same for you. We're just at different places in the journey. See, I've gone from places of striving and working to be good enough to beginning to understand that I am loved beyond measure by my heavenly father. And he invites me, just like he invites you, to join him, to know him, and to trust him. And I will tell you, there are times that I still wrestle with this sometimes, trying to fix myself, to shore up the weak areas. And here's here's the word that it comes down to, to try, to try, 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 try. We keep trying and trying and working hard enough to be good enough. But here's what I've been learning. And I'm not perfect in this, but I'm learning. To train, not try. To focus on Jesus, to move closer to him, to be reminded of his love and his presence throughout the day. Paul talked about training in righteousness. And I'm training in knowing him rather than trying to be good and to fix myself. So today we're going to start this journey of becoming by looking at three key things. And I'm also going to bring up three key questions that are tied to these. And these are questions that I think we should all be asking ourselves. 
And we're going to dig down and we've got to process some things. Like, who am I and where did I come from and what am I becoming? But it starts with some foundational things. So I want you to write this down for number one. I am made in the image of God. I am made in the image of God. So, so here's the baseline question for that. Where did I come from? It's the origin question. Now, I know our first response, if someone to say, well, where did you come from? We wanna give the name of a city, right? We wanna give a, a location. Well, I'm, I'm from the Bay Area. That's not my answer, but some of you would say that, or you'd say, I'm from Fresno, and then we'd go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And then we'd say, you know, someone would say, you know, I'm, I'm from Texas, or you know, whatever it might be. We wanna give our place of, of origin. So at Christmas time, uh, all my kids, uh, traveled home to, to be with us, and we had, a, we had a great week together. And one day I took my, uh, my youngest son and daughter, and uh, we, we just kind of went for a drive around town, because they don't live here, uh, they're only here, you know, once in a while, but they grew up here. And so, you know, we just took around to see how things have changed, you know, and all, you know, all that kind of stuff, you, you know what I mean. And one day we were going down Canal Drive here in Turlock by Turlock High School. And there is a retirement home about two blocks before, uh, before Turlock High School. And it used to be the original Emanuel Hospital. And so we had come there and I, I pointed up and I said, see that second floor corner right there? My kids were like, yeah. I said, do, do, you, know what, do you know what started there? They're like, no, what? I said, me. I was born in that room right up there because I was born at the original. I know for some of you, it's like, that's like ancient history. I know, <laughs> like it's really ancient, but it was weird to go like, that's where, that's where I was born right in that room. And my kids were like, oh, okay, no, let's keep going. You know, it was like no big deal. But again, there's that origin part where you go, that was the beginning of me. And that's the easy answer to the question. But when we kind of pull the focus back a little bit, not just the location of my birth, but where did we, as human beings, like where did we come from? You see, it's hard to know and process today and tomorrow if we don't look back at our origin. And I know there's debate around beginning and origin and we aren't gonna delve fully into that debate, but know that for virtually all of human history, the understanding and the full belief was that human beings, in fact, all of creation came from God. Now I know different religions and different beliefs pointed in different directions for what that looked like, but virtually all religions in the world have looked to a creator. And I know that there are many who disagree, who would come from an opposite point of view that would say, well, I don't, I don't think that there is a God, that there's an ultimate creator. And the thinking behind this is that we, as human beings, came from a culmination of three things. Time, chance, and chemistry. And given enough time, and given enough chances, and given the right chemistry, boom. The origin of man, or the earlier stages of that. And that's the predominant theory of our education system today. But I don't wanna dive into that, but here's what I want you to know. There are implications to that. Because if we are the result of time and chance and chemistry, 
then the deeper things of life, the things that we would hold up as, as values individually and culturally become suspect. Take something like, like justice, which we hold up as a goal and a virtue individually and culturally. But if we're the result of time, chance, and chemistry, then something like justice is simply arbitrary. Human rights become decided by whoever is wielding power. Good and evil simply become perceptions and you're left with really only one concrete thing. The survival of the fittest is the only ethical standard that you can really hold on to. Who has the power to win? Even things like love and beauty simply become chemical responses in our brains and in our, in our makeup. But what we're gonna see in this series is that God, through his word, has better answers for us. He has meaning and purpose and truth and worth for us because it's how we were designed. It's where we came from. And when we begin to understand that and how much value God puts on that, then we begin to see ourselves differently today and it gives us a different focus for who we're becoming. If you're there in Genesis chapter one, I want you to look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, if you have an actual physical Bible or you can highlight or anything, would you highlight these three words, in our image? Then he says, they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. Underline that again. In the image of God, underline that, he created them, male and female, he created them. Folks, this is the most understated, one of the most understated in my opinion, but profound messages from the Bible. Did you catch what was said? Did you catch the beautiful implications of what God did? This makes the most sense, that as human beings we are image bearers we are created in the image of God to reflect that image back to God, but also to reflect that image to one another. See, our, cultural around, our culture around us tells us that our value comes from our label, right? You have value because you're a hard worker or a good student or an influencer, and you can just keep adding the list on from there, whatever the label is. We say, that's what your value is. That's what the world around us tells us. And the reverse is also true. You have no value or you have less value if you don't have the right looks or the right weight or the right fitness level. If you don't have a certain education or, or house or accomplishment, we are told and we begin to believe if we don't measure up that we don't really have much value. And God tells us something radically different from the very beginning. He says, you are made in my image. And it provides the basis for dignity and worth. And it's not based on your performance. It's not based on your social standing. It's not based on how much you can accomplish or do. All human beings are created with value and worth. In Psalm 139, King David writes this. He says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. 
and how well I know it. Can I tell you that that wasn't just for someone like a king, like David, because he was chosen and had wealth and accomplishments and, and all those things. It's the message for every single human being. Whether you're a successful entrepreneur or you're homeless, you have worth given you by God himself. Whether you have a million followers on social media or you're that growing life in the womb, you have worth and value. You are precious to God. The Apostle Paul writes that, that we as humans, we're his masterpiece. Next weekend is actually the National Sanctity of Life weekend. And it's that reminder and that celebration that all life is precious, that all life is beautiful. We believe that here. But it's not all. You and I were created in the image of God and that reality leads us to different things. Morality, ethics, good and evil, love, justice, and beauty. Because he made us in his image, the beauty and the power of marriage and family and service and sacrifice, all of these are elevated ideals. Because you and I, we are more than a collection of cells and DNA. You are not an accident no matter if someone told you that or not. You aren't an accident. And I don't just mean a cosmic accident. Regardless of the circumstances of your parents and your birth, you are created and designed and made in the image of God. And every single person that has ever been or ever will be is made in the image of God and with inherent worth and value. So much so, you have so much value that God sent his one and only son to a cross so that we could be reconciled to him. That's your worth. Write this down for number two. There is eternity beyond this life. There is eternity beyond this life. This leads us to kind of the second core question. So where did I come from is the first one. And the second one is, where am I going? Now we often shy away from these kinds of thoughts and questions because Sometimes there's too much that's unknown, right? Too many variables, too much that's exposed about who I really am. And, and so we sometimes don't want to say, you know, where am I going? Unless we're asking that question about, I don't know, the location for lunch today, right? We'll, we'll ask that one. Hey, where are you going for lunch? That's, that's an easy one. Or we ask it about our weekend plans. But generally, we don't want to go a whole lot deeper than that. One of the things that keeps us from asking this I think, I wanna give you two, two things around this, but one of the things that keeps us distracted from really taking a look into our own heart and life is because we're too busy staring at our screens, right? Some of you just went, what? Uh, what? What'd you say? I just got a text, you know, my, my Apple watch just told me I've been sitting too long. You know, it's like we have all these things that, that are going on and we're distracted from engaging in deeper things into soul things. See, one of the struggles is that we've become more interested. I want you to hear this. We've become more interested in observing other people's lives than engaging in our own. Let me say that again. We've become more interested in observing other people's lives than pulling back some of the layers of what's going on in our own heart. 
Some of you know more about what's going on with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle than some of the wounds in your own life. And we get distracted by all that kind of stuff. And God's saying, listen, this is nothing to be afraid of. I want you to step in closer. Another reason we don't ask these kind of direction questions to, to see what's coming, like what, what will life be in the future? Now, now, we can't predict this. This is not about somehow looking into a crystal ball and figuring out what's next. But, but even just like what does God have next and looking down the road, we sometimes don't want to go there because we don't really want to look at later in life, end of life, aging, all of those kinds of things because we get... We get a little freaked out by that. You know, studies show that more and more we are insulated and isolated from older godly people. People who are wise, people who are growing, people who are faithful. And you know what we can learn? We can discover the value of someone who has lived a consistent faithful life, not perfect, but we can begin to learn about faithfulness and holiness and commitment and obedience. There's so much we have to learn from those who have lived more of life. We shouldn't shrink back from that. We should embrace that. In Proverbs 16, Solomon wrote, gray hair is a crown of glory. It's gained by living a godly life. He wrote a little bit later, the glory of the young is their strength. If you're young, here's your glory. You're strong, you have endurance. And there's gonna come a day when the strength will fail you, when it won't be there anymore. But he says the gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Now I know you can only answer this question based on where you are in this life journey, but I have found that the older I get, the more I think about where I'm going and what my life will be and what my legacy will be. When I was younger, I felt invincible like nothing could stop me. I remember, and I don't know if this is just a guy thing or just a naive, ignorant thing. I don't, that, that could all be true about me. But I, re, I remember when I was younger, like going on, like I was on a, going for a, on a plane somewhere. I don't remember where I was going. And you're flying in this plane. And of course you start thinking, what would happen? Like if an engine failed, what would I do? You ever, have you ever been in a plane and you had that thought? Like, what if this plane started going down? And I was just ignorant enough to go, well, I know what I'd do. I'd grab this and I'd do that. And I, like, I was figuring out how I was going to survive. And it's like, you're not going to survive that. But, you know, when you're young, you're just like you're Superman. You have, you know, just everything can go your way. Like nothing bad is going to happen. And yet we've all lived enough to know that tragedy can happen. We're not superpower. We're not, we're not comic book characters. We're, we're people. And as I get older, I see and feel and know it's sometimes it's just hard to get out of a chair, you know? <laughs> but as I get older, here's where I was really going with that. As I get older, I see and feel and know that there will be an end to this life someday. But something even better beyond now, some people believe that the end of life is nothingness. Some believe in some kind of unifying place of energy existence. Some believe in reincarnation into another life. But God tells us 
that there is an eternity on the other side of this life. And Jesus taught us that knowing him secures our eternity and our destination. Here's what Jesus said in John 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, no, we, we don't know, Lord. Like we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Now, why is this important? Now, there's a very bunch in that passage that is, that is incredibly important. But knowing that there is an eternity, there, there's life beyond this life, and God is inviting me into something more, shapes how I live and what I believe and what I will trust in today. The last one is this, write it down. There is hope only in Jesus. There is hope only in Jesus. The third question that that we're gonna look at today as, as we end is the result of the first two questions. If I wrestle through where did I come from and I wrestle through where am I going, I end up with this question. What do I do with that? So I begin to know the beginning and and I begin to see what's coming next, so, so how do I respond? What, what do I do? And it often boils down to two options. One of the options is life-changing, and one of the options is ultimately hopeless. And it's kind of interesting that it comes back down to something that we've been talking about and teaching about even these last couple weeks. It comes down to this, self-help or Jesus-help? Self-help says, you can do it. And the answer to everything you need lies within you. In your strength and power and control, you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can achieve whatever you want. And you can change whatever you want. The source is within you as long as you look deep enough. But the truth is, we can't overcome death. And if we're really honest about it, if we take the blindfold off, like Pastor John said last week, we realize that we haven't even really been particularly good at handling life. Forget conquering death, we can't even conquer life. We go through situations and realize that we're not as wise as we've fooled ourselves into believing. And we face the unexpected hits and come to the awareness that we're not as strong as we once thought either. There was a book written a couple decades ago called Lost in the Cosmos, and the subtitle to this book was The Last Self-Help Book. Now, it hasn't been the last self-help book, but that was the claim, the last self-help book. And the reason the author called it that was to reveal this ultimate truth. You ready for it? Here's what he says. You can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. Only Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play in it. That we can't come to understanding and realization that, that there, isn't, there isn't things that, that we can engage in. But it's a matter of, do we think we're doing this, that we've got it, that we're gonna control it? Or are we trusting in Christ? Because he's the only option that ultimately makes sense. He's the only one that we really can look to. And Jesus' help includes his death for us to pay for our sin that we could never pay for because we don't even, 
We don't even have the right currency to make that payment. I shared that a few weeks ago. We keep trying to be good enough and right enough and, and jump through all the hoops. I'll go to church and I'll read my Bible and all those are really wonderful things. But it's not the currency that pays the price to bring us forgiveness and life and restored relationship with God. Here's what Paul wrote, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I read an interesting article the other day and I did some searching on Google. And according to the website, you ready for this? Teachingsofthebuddha.com. Some of you have never been there. But these are the last words of Buddha. I want you to listen to this. Behold, O monks, this is my last advice to you. All component things in the world are changeable. They are not lasting. Work hard to gain your own salvation. Do your best. Work hard and do your best. That's it. That's what I'm going to trust in and base everything on, to simply work hard and do my best. You know what the last words of Jesus were on the cross? It is finished. He accomplished what we could not He's the one who conquered death and overcame the grave. He's the one who will restore and raise up if we will look to him. He's the one who brings about forgiveness of our sin and our guilt and our shame. He's the one who makes us new, who restores us and transforms us and puts us in right standing with God and with one another. And he restores us to who we were created and made and meant to be. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul was using the example of Moses, and when he saw God's face, it says his face shone. It was just like this bright light. And so he put a veil over his face that would hide the image and the glory of God. But Paul writes that because of Jesus, there's no hiding anymore. Here's, we'll close with this. He says, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image, becoming who He designed and crafted us to be. And over these next weeks, we're going to look at Jesus and look to Jesus, that in Him we can be fashioned and shaped to be more like Him. So let me ask you a question to wrestle with this week. Is there anything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus? Any area where you just go, oh man, is that ever gonna change? Is that ever gonna transform? Can that ever be any different? I want you just to do an internal look, an examination of your own life. David said a similar thing in Psalms. He said, God, would you turn this searchlight into my own soul and show me those things that just don't line up with you. Would you do that this week? Take a deeper look. It can be uncomfortable, but God's got something that he wants to do as we become more like him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? As we close today, I just wanna take a moment 
because I, I believe and I've been praying that some of you that you sit here today have been wrestling through these very things and you keep trying to be good enough and you keep trying to fix what's broken and Jesus simply says, come to me. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest for your souls. He's inviting you into relationship with him. Not just a, oh, I believe that there's a God out there somewhere, but a relationship with him. And it begins as you literally proclaim him as being the Lord and the leader of your life. And then moment by moment, inch by inch, you begin to follow him. So in a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna invite you to pray it with me. But if you're sitting here in this room and you say, Dave, I wanna know Jesus Christ is my Lord and my leader. I wanna find forgiveness. I'm tired of trying. I wanna come to him. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. See you guys, anyone else? Yeah, I see you in the back. Would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. And thank you for your grace. And thank you that you designed and made me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive life everlasting. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father, thanks so much for your gift of grace and love and hope to us. Lord, I pray that today and in the weeks to come as we wrestle through what in us doesn't align with you, that we would become more and more like who you designed and made us to be, not through our own efforts, but in simply coming and surrendering to you. We love you and we thank you today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, if you took that step of faith, I wanna encourage you to text that word decision uh, to that number, 209-667-5433. You'll get an immediate text back because we wanna be praying for you as you take this step of faith as you begin to follow after Jesus. Let me close by just reading you this one verse from an old hymn. And the hymn is, is in Christ alone. I want you to listen to these words. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Let that be your story and your testimony this week. Hey, thanks for being here today. God bless, have a great week.